Have your Bible open to 1 John chapter 4, please. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we come to Thee with the burden of prayer. We know that nothing for eternity is accomplished apart from what God does. And so we come humbly asking you to move in the hearts of all of your people. Our church is moved when we think of those in the storm in Florida and Louisiana. And we unite together to pray for them, to lift them before thy throne and ask that their needs might be met, that you would help us to have part in relieving those deep problems they face. Father, bless everyone who has gathered in the house of God this morning and those who are listening around the radios. We pray that Jesus will be honored, that someone who is without Christ will come to Christ, cleanse us from every sin. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been wonderful to praise the Lord this morning and to enjoy just the fellowship of God's people. So glad that some of you are visiting with us. We want you to open your Bible also, everyone, to 1 John chapter 4. We've been uh, just going through this little book. And I believe there are messages here that are so practical. They help us deal with everyday life's problems. I want to read a portion of 1 John 4. And then the, the theme of the message this morning is in verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. By this know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, of which ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. By this know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us not love one, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we ought also to love one another. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In this chapter, we come to the latter part of John's message to his, quote, little children, quote. 
The word or term little children is from the Greek word that means my little born again ones. He's not considering age. He's not talking about there being such and such an age, but he's saying you are my born again children of God. Now there's a sense in which everyone is a child of God. We're children of God by creation. And the world that is a little bit religious has gotten stuck on that and it has led many to believe that everybody is a child of God, so there doesn't have to be any change, there doesn't have to be any conversion, there doesn't have to be any new birth, because everybody's a child of God. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, one day ye are of your father the devil. Paul said, you are children of wrath. He said in Ephesians 2, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, which reminds us there are two groups of people. Even though God is the creator, father of all the creation, he is only the savior of those who believe. And only the savior of those who have come to God, the only way we can really know him, that's through Jesus. In the Old Testament, when it lightninged, they'd say, God did that, look at his power. When it would thunder, God, they said, God did that, look at his power. You can go out in an afternoon and look at the wonderful sunset, and whether you know anything about God or not, you can say, isn't that beautiful? There must be something behind that. And all those things teach us that there's something higher than we are. The American Indians or the natives of this land, they had never heard the teaching of the Bible, but they knew there was something bigger than they were. They would just look at it. This has led pagan groups through the years to pray to rain gods. The Egyptians thought of frogs as their god because they were, had so much life and animation in them. And the only way we can really know God, know Him, I mean know Him. We can know about Him, but the only way we can know Him is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to say, I and my Father are one. You've been wondering what God is like? Look at me, God is like me, for I and my Father are one. Now John, without referring to that, picks up something about that when he gets to chapter 4. And he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. He's talking to believers, talking to Christians, God's people. He says, Believe not every spirit. Don't be gullible. You know, a lot of people are gullible. They just believe anything that comes along. I had two men come by my house the other day. I recognized immediately who they were. They introduced themselves as Elder so and so and Elder so and so. And I said, Well, I'm Elder Richard Oldham. Oh. They looked at me a minute, and I said, uh, I, I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and when he came into my heart, he changed me, and he saved me, and he called me, and I've been preaching for him, and I've been serving him. Tell me about when you were saved. Oh, they said we were baptized, such and such. 
I said, I, I wasn't talking about baptism. I mean, when did you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, he said, we look at things a little bit different. He didn't stay very long. Now, I, I, I love them. I told him I loved them. God came in my heart and gave me a love for people. But, but don't be gullible. See, this says don't be gullible. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Try them. That means test them. Look at them. Whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirits. Verse 2. By this know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now that's some statement. You ought to mark that in your Bible. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. What does that mean? That means that everybody that confesses the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who touched blind eyes and caused them to see again, who interrupted funeral processions and raised dead people to life, who touched lame limbs and caused them to walk again, who spoke the word and men were forgiven of their sins, who died on a cross for our sins and three days later was raised from the dead. This Jesus is the Christ of the Old Testament. He's the Messiah. The word Christus, Christ, means the Messiah. It's a translation from the Hebrew in the Old Testament. And all through those long years, they looked for the coming of the Messiah. One of the prophets cried out, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had to lay on who? Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, who died on the cross, who was raised from the dead, Christ, Christos, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is come in the flesh, is of God. Isn't that something? That doesn't mean they believe that he just one time lived, but that the Jesus who lived was the Messiah of the Old Testament and he was the anointed one of God. He was God incarnate in human flesh. Now, beloved, not everybody believes that. Try the spirits. Not everyone that believes that. Then he goes on to say a strange thing in verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. You've heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. That is, every spirit that denies that the Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who died on the cross, who was raised from the dead, that this Jesus was the Christus, the Christ, the Messiah of the Old Testament, God tabernacling in human flesh, every spirit that denies that, that Jesus was God incarnate in human flesh, is not of God, but is Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. That sort of puts it down where the rubber hits the road. 
in the nitty-gritty. Now there's some things that John begins to say concerning this. First of all, he, he talks about the difference between the world and the spirit. There's a big difference. Now I recognize that our world has become influenced by Christian faith, especially in America. Uh, there's a church on every, almost every corner. And even though there's a, a bias against Christian faith today in the media and in uh, just in the philosophy of education and so on, nonetheless, our whole philosophy, our whole society has been influenced by Christian faith. You look at the documents that created America, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the buildings that are in Washington. You go to any of those buildings and you see the influence of biblical faith on those buildings. One of the reasons we have such conflict in America today, we're sort of lost and don't know what to do, is because we're in conflict with ourselves, with our heritage, with our background. We're denying what has made us what we are. You go to the Jefferson Memorial and you read some of the quotations of Jefferson. He has God intermingled with all those quotations. You go to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. and you read those wonderful statements by Abraham Lincoln and over and over again he refers to God. You go to the Supreme Court building and etched, I guess on the marble, or across where those Supreme Court justices sit, there is etched the Ten Commandments, right out of Exodus 20. You think America was not influenced by God? We have laws in America. Those laws are from God. And one by one, people are trying to repeal those laws. What I'm trying to say is, the world has been influenced by Christian faith, but that doesn't mean the world is Christian. Now the church has been influenced by the world. A lot of us would like to cover our head in the sand and deny that. But the church has been influenced by the world so that the world is a little bit churchy and the church is very worldly and many people can't tell the difference. But John says a big difference. He says there's a difference in the world and the spirit. There's a difference in the world system philosophy who has as its ultimate end the establishment of anti-God philosophy and spiritual Christian faith. There's a difference. Let's look at it just a moment. The man of the world rejects the truth. The man of God receives the truth. People of the world are competitive, exalting self, the survival of the fittest. <clears throat> People of God want to serve. God just put that in you, a desire to serve. And when we forget that, when we forget that he who would be greatest in the kingdom of God would be the servant of all, then we're revealing how the world has influenced Christian faith. God didn't plan for us to be competitive with each other. He planned for us to be chief servants. 
That's the meaning of John 13. At the supper of the Lord, Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet. Now, some believe that that's an ordinance and it should be repeated again and again in the church and that we should wash each other's feet. There's really nothing wrong with that. The problem is it is not an ordinance of the church. It is a picture of humility, plus it is a picture of the fact that though we've been cleansed from our sins, we need a daily cleansing, a daily washing by the Word of God. But Jesus taught us he that would be greatest in the kingdom of God would be the chief servant. The world doesn't look at it like that at all. He that's greatest in the world is the one that climbs the ladder and gets to the highest. Now, and I want to tell you, Christians, we've got to watch that. Preachers, some of you have been called to preach. Don't ever be ladder climbers. There are some men that compromise they say whatever the congregation wants to be said. They don't want to step on anybody's toes because they want a good recommendation so they can go to another church and get a little bit bigger church, a little bit bigger salary, and on and on and on and on and on. And all Christians have to watch that temptation. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's the spirit of the world. And you see, it's, it's embedded in people. There are people who say, I can't afford to tithe. I've got money in the bank, and if I tithed, I might not have as much money. You've got the world's idea. That's the world's philosophy. Amen. That's not the servant of God's philosophy. That's anti-Christ attitude. Preacher, I don't like that. God bless you. I love you anyway. The spirit of the world, there's only this world we have to deal with. But the Christian is one who is looking forward to another world. This world's not the end of it. Now, it's important that we live in this world as long as we're here, but this world is not the end of it. It's not even half of it. You think of 70 or 80 or 90 years here compared to eternity with God? Well, this is just a little preparation ground. <laughs> this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. People of the world exalt self. God's people live in love. To the people of the world, material things are all that matter. But those people of God, eternal things are the ones that are important. The people of the world say the thing that really matters is what you can see. The Christian says what, you can, what really matters is the thing you cannot see. Looking to him that is invisible. Man's philosophy is fickled. 
God's word is final. There's a contrast. And so John says, Ye are of God, little children, and you've overcome them, that is, the spirit of Antichrist, these things that are worldly, the worldly philosophy, you've overcome that because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now let me ask you, Christian, are you standing on that? Do you really believe that? How does this translate into everyday living? When you go out of here tomorrow, or today, and you go back into the workplace tomorrow, how does it translate that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? You may be working right next to somebody whose whole philosophy is this world. They want to make all the money they can make. They want to store it all away in the bank. And they, want to, they don't really care about other people. The, the number one, eyes number one, and so on. But with you, if you've been called to really be like Jesus, you can't live like that. Jesus has to be number one. We say that's very impractical. Yes, it is. <laughs> Except it has a practical application. Jesus said, do good to them that curse you. Oh. Bless them that abuse you. Somebody asks you a coat, give them, all your, give them another coat if you got it. The world says, don't use me. God says, uh, the reason you're here is to be used. It's different, isn't it? Well, you say, preacher, that doesn't sound like very popular preaching. It isn't. But Jesus said, he told John to tell him, he said, now greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The philosophy that is in you is greater than the philosophy that is in the world. The ideology of, that is in you is different from the ideological, ideology that's in the world. Primarily because that which is in you is greater than that which is in the world. What is that? He's a person. Jesus Christ. Does Jesus really live in you? Brother Roger wrote a song, Jesus is living. Jesus is living. Is he living in you? That's the, that's the question of that song. But say, doth he live in you? Does Jesus live inside of you? If he does, let him have his way. When we sing that song, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, what does that mean for you? First of all, if you're not saved, it means, Lord, I want to die to myself, and I want to be alive to you. I want Christ to come and live inside of me. If you are saved, that means, Lord, whatever your principles are, whatever your truth is, whatever you're trying to whisper in my heart, give me the spiritual faith to do it, and I'll do it for your glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, listen, there's one other application. Have you been through some tough times? Have you stood by a graveside, seen some precious loved one lowered into that grave, and you feel so numb inside? And you feel like everything that was so precious is gone now. The world says that's the end. He's dead just like a dog. But God says that isn't the end. The curtain's going to rise on the other side. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Let's pray. 
Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth, just a simple truth from God's Word. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Father, we pray that we might apply that in everyday living. We apply it in our workplace. We apply it in our school days. We apply it in our church. We apply it in our families. Help us to know that the victory has already been won. That victory is in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you grace by trusting in his word. Number 312. The invitation will be brief this morning unless God leads it otherwise. But if you're not with if you're not if you're not a Christian, if you've never given your heart to Christ, why not come to him today? Just receive him. Believe upon him as your Savior and your Lord. Would you do that? If God is leading you to become part of this church fellowship, you come today. If there's some change that needs to be made in your life, will you let that change be made by Christ? While we sing number 312, come every soul by sin oppressed. Come. If you have never confessed Christ as your Savior, listen, you're, you're on the world's side. You're on the world's side. You say, I don't mean to be on the world's side. Only those who have confessed Jesus as Savior, received Him as their Lord, are on God's team. Could you change teams today? Let's sing.